Hey everybody, this is Pastor James and welcome back to our midweek Bible study. We are going to finish up chapter 7 of Proverbs today. And as we said last week, Solomon has revisited this warning of immoral women. And this chapter is a little more difficult to split up because uh, the whole chapter pretty much runs together as one thing. And uh, there's no way to chop it up where we can do it in an appropriate amount of time without kind of just really... Stopping in the middle and picking up in the middle. Uh, so, if uh, if you're listening to this and you didn't catch last week's podcast, make sure you go back and listen to it because you really will need to know what's happening through verses 1 through 15 in order to pick up in verse 16 today and really know what's going on. So, go back and listen to that first. Make sure you're familiar with it. And uh, once you do that, let's read together. This is Proverbs chapter 7. Verses 16 through 20, and then we'll talk about these verses and move forward. The woman says, My bed is spread with beautiful blankets, with colored sheets of Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink our fill of love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's caresses, for my husband is not home. He's away on a trip. He has taken a wallet full of money with him and won't return until later this month. Okay, so the first thing that we really need to pay attention to in verse 16 is that this woman has prepared her bed. And this is not something uh, the woman had just decided on a whim. She uh, didn't just go out of her home and see this attractive young man and in the spare of the moment uh, decide to be unfaithful. This was planned. It was premeditated. She was going hunting, and this uh, poor particular young man that lacked common sense, according to Solomon, was going to be her victim of the evening without even knowing it. And as believers in Christ, we must be aware that there are people out there that plot evil, and this is just a reality. There are evil people who enjoy doing evil, and they enjoy dragging other people along into their sinfulness. And Solomon has already talked about people like that and how much the Lord despises people who plot evil. But this particular woman has made her bed with uh, fresh, with the finest linens and blankets that you could have. Um, it's simply a gesture to fool this young man into thinking that her bed is actually clean. You know, if, if you really think about what she's saying and what's actually happening, um, in fact, you know, the bed is truly... According to this culture and this time, the bed is her husband's bed. It belongs to him. And uh, she belongs to her husband as well. She is her husband's wife. And she's merely masking who the bed and the blankets and the linens truly belong to. And she's masking who she truly belongs to. Another thing to notice is that she's perfumed her bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon and all of these things would have been expensive and alluring to any young person who has yet to establish themselves financially and experience, uh, you know, just engaging in life with luxurious things. And that's something that allures a lot of young people. You know, wealth and, and the things that money can buy are very attractive to a lot of young people and lure them into a lot of things. Um, but... When you think about perfumes, and she's mentioned, I've perfumed my bed, and you think about what perfumes do, in reality, they mask other odors as their scent is much stronger and more noticeable. 
And so I made a joke about this in my sermon on Sunday morning. And as I told the youth about this years ago when I was a youth pastor, it's like, you know, when you stink, you can't just put on perfume or cologne to mask it. It only makes it worse. You really need to take a bath and then put on perfume or cologne to really uh, experience the full effect of it. And so um, when this woman says she's perfumed her bed, what she's doing is that she's masking uh, the other odors or scent that is there because it's much stronger. And she's she's masking the scent of her husband. You know, it's her husband's bed. She changed the sheets. She changed the, the, the blankets. And she now she's perfumed everything. She's made it as if this bed was hers and it was meant for this young man when in reality it's not. It belongs to her husband. It's his bed. It's his wife. Uh, it's his blankets. It's his sheets. And it's actually his perfumes that she has perfumed the bed with. And and she's luring this young man, man in with luxurious things to participate in her sin. And as I said before, that happens to a lot of young people. They get lured in with uh, the enticement of wealth and other things. What is interesting is that one theologian points out that the the very perfumes that she is enticing him with are also the same perfumes that would have been used on dead people in this day to prepare them for burial. And, and I know that that many people love the smell of flowers, and so it's like it's really funny how on Valentine's Day, you know, you give flowers and you give roses and things like that. But as I was growing up. Um, the only time that I remember smelling flowers was when we went to the mortuary for receiving of friends and funeral services. And uh, same thing when you had funeral services at the church and then everyone brings flowers in for the funeral services. Everything smells like flowers. And so for me growing up, every time I smell roses, it makes me think of death. It makes me think of dead people or the mortuary or a funeral because that's where you have this crazy strong sense of smell was usually at mortuaries and churches during funerals. And what this woman's doing is is she's enticing this young man with the sense of things that were luxurious, they were expensive, but they were also used on dead people to prepare them for burial. And so she's masking the scent of her husband with the scent of something that would have been used on dead people. And um, when you think about this, uh, this should have kind of been a warning that the same thing this woman is trying to lure him in with is also the thing that's used on dead people. And sin leads to death. And Solomon will say later on that what this young man is about to do, she is leading this young man to his death. And so that's very informative as um, as Solomon is saying this. You know, he's kind of giving you an insight into what's eventually going to take place as he's mentioning these uh, these perfumes and these things that she has put on her bed to, to make them smell better. Um so since verse 18 and 19 are one sentence, we'll, we'll talk about them together. And, and to understand that this woman speaks of love, but more than likely she doesn't even know what love is. And I'm going to tell you why. She has a husband who obviously has provided for her and given her the ability uh, to spend a sinful night with this young man and with fine luxurious items. She talks about the blankets and the sheets and the fact that she has the finest Egyptian linen and, and all these things. 
and she's able to have more than just one set so she can change them out. You know, I've, I've changed them. My bed is spread with these things. And then to have access to things like myrrh and aloes and cinnamon that would have been very expensive and kind of a luxury item. So her husband has obviously provided for her, but there's no sense of faithfulness for this woman, no sense of commitment, much less love in her approach to this young man. And uh, how in the world can this woman, who, uh, who obviously doesn't know how to show love to her husband, now all of a sudden she's claiming to be able to show love to this strange young man that Solomon says has no common sense, and she's only laid eyes on him in this moment, but she's never even spoken to him prior. She's just met him, but she speaks of love in this moment. And Solomon is pointing out here that everything about this woman is deceptive. She, she, she can't speak of love because she doesn't know what love is. And she doesn't know if she loves this young man because she doesn't even know the young man. And she can't, she can't love him because she doesn't even know how to love her husband. And she speaks of love as it only lasts one night. She's like, come, let us get, get our fill of love for the night. And when true followers of Christ know that love is eternal, you know, one of the things that's promoted throughout Scripture is, is that love is an eternal thing. It's a commitment. It's something that, that lasts forever. Paul talks about it in his apostle that of faith, hope, and love, the greatest of these is love. And those are the three eternal things that last forever, and the greatest is love. Um, and, and everything about God is eternal, and God is, in fact, love. And if you look in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, Scripture plainly says, But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And you must know God to know what love is. And this woman doesn't know either of the two. The simple fact that she speaks of her husband being gone for a long trip and he won't return until later that month. So he's going to be gone for several days. But her her idea of love will only last one evening when in fact she could probably have several evenings with this young man, but she only wants one. And so it's a trap of sin. And we have to see that. She, in this moment, is a predator. She is looking to be disobedient, to be unfaithful, to be disloyal. And this young man just happens to be the prey who is lacking common sense. And he's the weak one of the group. And she finds him and she sets in to, to attack for, her, for what she desires from him. And Satan is... Uh, Satan does that. He, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He, he's looking for weaknesses and opportunities to overtake us. And this woman is basically Satan in physical form as she is bringing temptation to this young man and luring him in. Okay? So let's read verses 21 through 23, and we'll move on with the chapter and, and proceed to being done. So she seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her flattery. He followed her at once like an ox going to the slaughter. He was like a stag caught in a trap, awaiting an arrow that would pierce his heart. He was like a bird flying into a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. All right, so as we talk about this, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about all the analogies. I think those three verses are pretty self-explanatory. 
But um, I, I do want to bring notice that Solomon uh, is bringing to light what this woman is actually doing. And she has successfully done it. She seduced the young man who lacked common sense. She flattered him. She baited him. She lured him in. She said everything that he wanted to hear. She presented luxury and the uh, the experience of one evening of what it would be like with a woman and to give all these fancy, luxurious things. And she told him exactly what he wanted to hear to stroke his ego. And she lured him into her trap with all the things that he wanted to hear, see, taste, and experience as a young man. And like an ox going to the slaughter, he followed behind her, not realizing that his death was quickly approaching. He was actually walking himself to his death. He didn't even know that saying yes to her was costing him his life and his soul. Um, just to kind of give you a, a, a weird example, um, my brother-in-law, Anthony, uh, was at one time raising pigs, and um, he took one to the to the butcher to be slaughtered so that he could have meat and, and everything for his family. And so what's funny is is that his daughters at the time had named the pig that he was taking. It's, it's quite humorous. They named him Mary and Joseph, like the mother and father of Jesus. And so Joseph, uh, it had come time for him to be taken to the butcher. And so Anthony, my brother-in-law, takes him, takes him to the butcher. And when he unloads him from the trailer, the pig is actually pretty tamed. Um, Anthony had been out there several days and spent uh, a lot of time with the pig and uh, fed it. And so once he got off the trailer, he, he told him, he said, come on, Joseph. And Joseph walked right behind Anthony, not knowing uh, what was awaiting him. And even the butcher who he was taking him to said, man, that's pretty messed up that you actually gave him a name. <laughs> um, there's, there's something... There's something weird about that, but as as Solomon is talking about this young man who's walking to his death like an ox going to the slaughter, not knowing what was about to take place, it made me think of that image of my brother-in-law taking that pig, and the pig just followed behind him, and my brother-in-law called him by name, Joseph, come on, and the pig walked right behind him, not knowing where he was going, not knowing what was going to happen. And the truth is, a lot of times we get lured into sin just not knowing what's about to happen and what's about to take place. And Solomon is trying to warn his sons that you need to keep your eyes open, your head on a swivel. You need to know that there are evil people out there who want to take advantage of you and who are willing to do uh, terrible things and make you a part of it and make you suffer from it. And uh, that's just something we really need to be aware of. Okay? Well, let's finish up the chapter and read verses 24 through 27 really quick. So listen to me, my sons, and pay attention to my words. Don't let your heart stray away toward her. Don't wander down her wayward path. For she has been the ruin of many. Many men have been her victims. Her house is the road of the grave. Her bedroom is the den of death. So in these last four verses, Solomon once again begs his sons to listen and pay attention to him. He, he's doing this about every chapter that we're reading. And uh, Solomon understands and he knows things that this young man doesn't yet know. And, and he, Solomon knows things that his sons 
um, just don't understand. And they just can't because they're not old enough. And it's up to us as elders. This is a reminder to me that the older we are and the longer we've been saved, we, as parents, grandparents, spiritual leaders, we have an obligation to warn our young people of the dangers of sin and those who encourage sinful practices. You know, following this this woman is taking this young man down a wayward path. It leads to nothing but ruin, and Solomon is trying to point this out. And we and we have to understand that even Solomon says many men have been down that path. Many men have been led astray. Many men have suffered as a result of this woman. And Solomon knows where it goes because he's he's watched many men fall down this path. It's a path that's commonly taken because there are a lot of people who just they want to be they want to be built up with words. They want to be told flattering things. They want to have a fun experience. They want to know what it's like to have someone want them and desire them, even for just a moment. And people fall into this trap for many different reasons. And we have to understand in this moment that we have to warn our young people that there are many things you're going to want to experience, many things you're going to want to know and do, but you have to be very careful not to just give in for the moment of an experience or the moment of what you can have in a single second or a single moment of time. But we ourselves and those that we are encouraging have to open our eyes and see what her house truly is, what what following behind her truly leads to. Her house is the road that leads to the grave. Her bedroom is the very den of death. I mean, I don't think Solomon can say it any more clear than that. Like, where you are going is the place where death dwells. It is the very house of Satan. It is the house of destruction. And this is really sad because most people who choose the path don't even realize what the, what they're choosing. They don't know where they're headed when they take it. I, I, I used to tell the youth this all the time, and I've, I've said this to our adults. You know, nobody wakes up one day when they're a teenager and says, you know what I want to be when I want to grow up? I want to be a drunk person who rides around on a moped because I can't have a license. Or nobody says, I want to be homeless and live on the side of the road and be addicted to drugs. Like no one says that. No one won't no one aspires to be that. But it happens every day and there are millions of people like that every day. Whenever people first took that drink, they didn't say, "Man, I'm going to start drinking right now because I want to drive a moped one day." And no one started getting high thinking, "Man, I this is the greatest thing that I'm ever going to try and I can't wait for my life to revolve around this so much that I can't hold a job." I can't even be around my family, and I can't even have a home of my own. No one says that, but it that sin leads them into that process of where they go. And it's really sad because most people just, they don't realize it. They're like an ox going to the slaughter, and they have no idea what's coming to them. They have no idea what they're walking into. But there are many people who've been told what that path leads to. And yet, that path and that woman and all the opportunities of sin is so alluring that they still choose it despite what they have been warned of. And, and I hope and pray today that we are not like those people that choose sin despite being warned. I hope if you're listening this today that 
if you truly love Christ and you want to follow him and serve him, I, I hope and pray that you will choose Christ because he is worth anything that this world has to offer. Like there's nothing that this world can offer you that Jesus is not worth more than that. And I believe with all my heart that one day when we finally stand before Christ on Judgment Day, that every one of us will look back at all the things that we gave up for Christ. And, and although we're, we're hopeful now, we say, man, I really hope this is worth it because we're still living by faith and we're still, we don't know what heaven's going to be like. We don't know what it's going to be like to stand before Jesus. We can only imagine and kind of get a partial understanding of those things. But I truly believe with all my heart that one day when we stand before Christ, we're going to look back on all the things we gave up and realize in that moment, we didn't miss anything. We didn't miss anything. If, In fact, if we did miss anything, we missed the heartache. We missed the pain. We missed the suffering. We missed the consequences that comes with sin. But Jesus Christ was so worth it. And I believe that anything that we give up is, is absolutely worth Christ. We're only gaining. And uh, right now, it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that for everyone, especially young people and people who are immature in their faith. It's hard to see it, but we are only gaining when we give things up in the name of Christ. If we tell that woman no, that immoral woman, if we tell that drug, if we tell that sin, whatever it may be, any type of immorality, if we say no to it, we are only gaining with Christ. Let me pray for you today. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to, to be together, to read your word, and uh, Lord, to just be able to study and and. Think about the things that Solomon is teaching his sons. And Lord, thank you for letting us benefit from that. And I pray that we truly would benefit from it, that we would take it to heart. We would apply it to our lives. And Lord, that in everything that we do and say, we would honor and cherish you and choose you over the many, many things this world has to offer. We love you and thank you and ask all us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in for another week. Thank you for being a part of the Graham Chapel family and a part of the kingdom of God. As always, tune in next week for our video services on Facebook, YouTube, and podcast. If you uh, are able, catch us in person at our services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We are praying for you. We love you and hope you have a great week.